possible. Not an acrimonious tone in our collective bodies. Well, except for that one, maybe. Hello, friends, and welcome in to this, the 146th edition of Fusebox, scathingly and somewhat inflamed on the side, entitled Holy Acrimony. And I'm your smiling like the Cheshire cat who just ate a budgie host, Mark Rose, and over there, the always not unacrimonious Delphi of the dials, Milt Keynes, everybody. <laughs> Thank you kindly, I think. <laughs> uh, you know what, man? I, I'm about ready to, to, to kick this cabin fever thing square in the ass. I really am. Mr. Keynes, I'm shocked. No, I mean, you know, I have dug the isolation thing here for the last couple of months, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm at least ready to hit suicide salaries or, or something. Yeah, well, you know, here in Portland, we're still uh, very much closed for the most part. Uh, there are areas in Oregon that are uh, going through what's known as phase one openings, but uh, we're still not... Uh, Applying for that uh, phase one condition uh, here as yet. Now, oddly... Well, Washington County is though is uh, getting ready, though, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say, our, our neighboring uh, county, Washington County, is, uh, is applying. Yeah. And uh, apparently is about to start the uh, phase one process uh, over there. Which is kind of weird. I mean... <laughs> We're, we're about two minutes from the county line here. Uh, curiously, yes. Yes, we are. We're in what's called uh, Multnomah County, which is the, uh, for the most part, the city of uh, Portland proper. But it's, uh, it's a fairly large territory overall, and population concentration is most likely uh, the reason for this uh, delay. Uh, some parks are open, though uh, you still can't camp. You know, can't do that. Well, I'll say this. At least it's starting to feel less like uh, one of those approaching apocalypse movies, you know, where the streets are empty and dead. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite that bad. But we've taken quite a hit, as uh, many places, of course, have around the country. Uh, but in particular, the entertainment and uh, restaurant business sector, uh, some places are saying that they just... They're just not going to be reopening at all, and uh, that's just plain tragic. Yeah, it's got to be rough, man. Some places are kind of institutions in this area. Well, they they were indeed. I mean, ho- hopefully uh, one or two might regroup as time goes on. Folks around here are uh, mighty resourceful, and uh, this just really hasn't, of course, been uh, good for anybody. Yeah, unless you're a billionaire. Seems I read somewhere that there had been like a 14% increase in billionaire wealth during this time. Well, you know, we know for a fact 
that uh, many small companies were uh, snarfed up by larger ones uh, during this time. Many of those acquisitions done through uh, hardship conditions, of course. I mean, <laughs> companies just, they can't pull it together and uh, somebody comes over with an offer and, well, there you go. Yeah, it's not the first time that happened. Great Depression had the same crap happen then. Yep, and uh, worldwide there as well. So we're in a period of change. Uh, that is for certain. And, uh, oh, you know what? I'll tell you what else. This also got me to think about... Uh, Were you in the shower? <laughs> uh, why, why, yes. As it turns out, I was. Uh, how did... i telling you, man. Water. It's a conduit. Oh, well, you know. There actually is a belief in certain shamanic circles that water is indeed a conduit. Been reading that Castaneda book I lent you? Yaki way of knowledge? Maybe. Well, water was uh, indeed involved. Oh, and, and, and hey, wait. Just wait till you get to the parts uh, about agreements. Oh, been there, buddy. Things have been knocking and banging all around me lately. Whoa. See what I mean? You know, we should chat. So, uh, while water was flowing, a thought dawned on me concerning uh, what might be uh, an actual positive from all this isolation stuff we're all uh, experiencing right now. It involves um, experiences and living in them fully. Now, here's what I mean. And this really applies to uh, a lot uh, to kids growing up right now. Their schedules are so damn filled every second with various activities that it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to truly absorb a single damn one of them. So what, so what you're really doing is absorbing the energy of transfer, you know, going from one thing to the next. The actual thing you're at has a lower resonating value for you than the combined energy of just having to go from place to place to place to place in some kind of mad dash frenzy. Now, I mean, it's like being jazzed as hell about this incredible meal you're about to make and then finding absolutely no energy to enjoy it after it's created. We do this a lot in this society. There's no joke. I, it, well, And you know what? It's not so much in Europe and other places around the globe. I mean, they, they take time notoriously <laughs> to actually enjoy something fully. Yeah, I think it's really important, and I, I don't care what it is. And uh, COVID-19 is somehow related? Well, now, by enforcement we're allowed to not be doing so much, you know? A subtle version, maybe even, of uh, stopping the world, as our buddy Carlos Castaneda would say. But you've got more time to do one thing, enjoy it, and then maybe uh, move along. But it, it's limited, so you get to spend less time running past stuff and actually exploring the thing you can do. Yeah, I get it, I get it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, there was no way when I was growing up that you were going to drag me around for 117 things. I mean, 
I called the shots, man. I called the shots. Thank you. Yeah, but wasn't your mom like a, a, a major in the Marines or something? Well, might have been one or two things I had to... Uh... Yeah, I bet. Well, uh, in any event, I think this could actually be a positive thing. Uh, hopefully, one of those changes uh, that might, uh, for some, actually uh, stick. Less is more in the long run. What if we don't like the long run? Yes, but speaking of great speeches, we have a new semi-regular feature. Meaning whenever you get around to it? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) A brand new public service feature. Uh, Maybe, dare I say, educational. (laughs) Something we call Words That Changed History. A look back at some of the very meaningful and historically pivotal moments in our time. Words That Changed the World There can be no enduring peace for any nation while other nations suffer privation oppression, and a sense of injustice and despair. In our modern world, it is madness to suppose that there could be an island of tranquility and prosperity in the sea of wretchedness and frustration. And during that time, it would have been most unusual for any national political party to ask a Barbara Jordan to deliver a keynote address. But tonight, here I am. And I feel, I feel that notwithstanding the past, that my presence here is one additional bit of evidence that the American dream need not forever be deferred. Keep your faith because one day, black and white, Jew and Gentile, Protestant and Catholic, rich and poor, are going to walk the face of this earth with joyful hearts, happy in the togetherness of brotherhood. And again, when you have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero, uh, that's a pretty good job we've done. Words that change the world. everybody, but not everybody will like it. So there you go. The power of words. Or lack thereof. Uh, certainly that in one case there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, interesting story here. So uh, in protest to the uh, state of Kentucky's measures to logically ensure public safety and uh, fight this crazy vi some notably right-wing uh, protesters and perhaps might we postulate at this moment that some were bust in from surrounding chapters of central casting. Anyway, they had a rally at the state capitol there and during the proceedings hanged an effigy of Democratic State Governor Andy Beshear from a tree... 
The incident happened during a protest in favor of gun rights and other, mostly, big surprise, conservative causes. Several men produced a rope and an effigy and strung it from a tree outside the state capitol building in Frankfurt. The state representative, Charles Booker, who is African-American and the Democratic Party challenger for the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's seat in Kentucky in November. Go, Charles. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Charles described the representation as, quote, vile and traumatic. It's not just a threat on his life. It's the fact that they demonstrated an act rooted in our history of racism. I've had family lynched in Kentucky, Booker added. The act that was displayed on Capitol grounds today near where the governor and his young children live was wrong and offensive. This type of behavior must be condemned. Bashir's communications director, Crystal Staley, said in an email to CNN, As Kentuckians, we should be able to voice our opinions without turning to hate and threats of violence. Put simply, we are and should be better than this. McConnell and the state Republican Party issued their own condemnations, kind of like this, quoting, As a strong defender of the First Amendment, I believe Americans have the right to peacefully protest. McConnell's press office posted on Twitter. Sure, as long as it's by a bunch of MAGA hat-wearing <laughs> toeheads waving AR-15s. However... Today's action towards Governor Bashir is unacceptable. There is no place for hate in Kentucky. The Republican Party of Kentucky echoed that condemnation, posting what occurred at today's rally was unacceptable and has no place in Kentucky's political discourse. Evidently, this rally drew about 100 people, and uh, then it soon turned into a protest against Bashir's lockdown directives, according to the journalist Gary Sivo James, who passed an image of the mayor's effigy on to CNN. According to James, the rally was wrapping up when someone pulled the effigy of Bashir out of a bag and hanged it. The figure included a note around its neck with the words, Sic Semper Tyrannus, Latin for thus always to tyrants. The phrase is generally attributed to Julius Caesar's assassin Brutus, but uh, also uttered by John Wilkes Booth as he shot Abraham Lincoln. It remains the state motto of Virginia. <laughs> Quoting here, It's a very chilling image to see in modern America, and especially as an African-American man, said James, who has been documenting gun rights rallies across the South. James said the effigy was removed soon after. There's a gentleman that came up, he was pretty upset about it, and he cut it down. And he was like, this has no place at this rally. We're trying to be peaceful. Well, that's at least one cool head there. It appears. Lots of tension there, friends. But, you know, these rallies, are they're just a wee bit suspect to me. I, I mentioned this on a, a previous show. We already know that uh, many of these things have been organized by propaganda organizations and political marketing companies in, uh, in a few cases even. So, eh, I'm just still not too sure about these numbers. Well, it said about a hundred. Well, hell, I've seen more folks line up to get into Trader Joe's. <laughs> True that. <laughs> 
So here's a bit that will be near and dear to your heart, Mr. Keynes. Yeah? It's four for one night at the Crowbar? Uh, no, not quite yet. But it appears that uh, adult film star Ron Jeremy is reportedly under investigation for sexual assault by authorities in Los Angeles. A state of affairs which comes about after more than a dozen women accused the 64-year-old of unwanted groping. Wait, what? The hedgehog is now canceled? <laughs> a rep for the actor told the New York Post that they had no details about what the allegations entailed. We haven't heard anything, so we don't know anything about it, spokesperson Dante Rusciolelli told the newspaper. The actor, whose full name is Ronald Jeremy Hyatt, has been accused of sexual assault by more than a dozen women. Many of the accusers are those who have worked with Jeremy in the adult film industry, including 10 fellow adult film actors and two journalists. Okay, now wait. So, did he piss off some hot shot somewhere? I mean, this is porn we're talking about here. I know, but I would presume because of the very uh, nature of the work that uh, some safeguards and probably protocols are and uh, have been in place, I would, I would certainly hope. It, uh, it says that as a result, Jeremy has reportedly been uh, blacklisted from a number of areas in the industry, including a ban from the AVN Adult Entertainment Expo and Awards, one of the industry's uh, marquee events. Jeremy was reportedly found in violation of the event's code of conduct, one that bans any, quote, unwanted physical contact, but said in an interview with Rolling Stone that he never touched anyone without their consent. Quoting here, If I didn't get permission and I just grabbed a random boob, I'd have more black eyes than a panda bear. He added, I always get permission. I'm 64. I don't want to fight anybody. The allegation surfaced in part in response to a viral YouTube video showing a number of instances of Jeremy grabbing female performers as well as many first-hand allegations of misconduct from several women. A number of women have also spoken out against Jeremy on social media, describing unwanted touching and groping while they were working with him. The allegations against Jeremy date back close to 20 years with many of the women saying the groping took place at public events and often on camera. Now, we're sure those weren't just actual scenes playing out and nobody had yelled cut, right? Uh, I think if these things are sort of rising to the surface, that it's pretty likely there was some additional and perhaps unwanted content added to the scene. Police in Los Angeles have not disclosed what specific allegations they may be investigating. Sexual assault allegations against Ron Jeremy are under review by our office. No filing decision has been made. Greg Reisling, a public information officer for the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, told news organization The Daily Beast. Holy carp. Well, I mean, if he did it, then it's just karma, man. Well, it's the law of consequences, man. Seriously. And, and by the way, that's a subject that's uh, not taught in any institution of higher learning that I can think of. Yeah, well, you know it's getting deep when it hits the porn industry. Well, you know, th I, I, we've talked about this before. There's really no industry 
that is not uh, impacted, sadly, by this. Well, and also these investigations have taken a uh, severe backseat to everything that's going on right now, except for, of course, Orange Guy and his passive-aggressive anti-mask-wearing agenda. I think, uh, despite the viri, we'll continue to see more and more of these things reported, and uh, frankly, as uh, long as it goes through a legal due process and not some social media munching machine, great, Uh, bring it on. And speaking of a place with... Great restaurants, as long as you bring some food to eat with you. A federal judge ruled Sunday that a Florida law requiring people with felony convictions to pay off all their court fines and fees before being able to register to vote is unconstitutional. Are you shitting me? I kid you not, Mr. Keynes. Now this one... This has a positive spin, sort of. Calling the fee requirements taxes in substance, though not in name, Judge Robert Hinkle of the North District of Florida decried the, quote, pay-to-vote system as failing to stand up to constitutional scrutiny. He said that the law cannot discriminate against people who, after serving out their sentences, are only barred from the franchise of voting by their inability to afford the various fees. Yes, Florida governor and part-time sand-selling magnate Ron DeSantis, his office did not respond to uh, inquiries about an appeal. However, if the state does appeal the decision, it would go to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, the very court whose previous order, much of Hinkle's decision is built on top of. The United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Court affirmed, squarely holding that Florida cannot prevent an otherwise eligible felon from voting just because the felon has failed to pay LFOs. The felon is genuinely unable to pay. Saying that the court is following the 11th Circuit's decision, though it would come to the same conclusion anyway. Hinkle added that on the inability to pay claim, the 11th Circuit's analysis is more important than anything included in this order. Of course, uh, they still have that rule regarding certain unspecified minorities only being allowed to vote at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, and only if you're the color of dried wheat paste. You see, friends, the state has found itself in this rather stunctious position after Republican lawmakers fought tooth and nail and bicuspid to ingrown pubic hair to have the fines and fees restriction added to a sweeping voting rights amendment, Florida voters approved in 2018. Now, you said approved. Yes, Mr. Keynes, I did. The voters said, sure, go ahead. Sounds great. So how big a piano does Steinway make? You know, not that big, sadly. Cover a whole state? Yeah, I don't don't think so. I think we're needing something a wee bit bigger. Like maybe... (laughs) 
She might cover it. My people are talking to her people, so uh, we'll see. But I'm sad to say, despite the rather positive and logical turn of events here, friends, we still must humbly implore the question, and with great acrimony. What the fuck, Florida? (laughs) And with that, we'll take our foul-mouthed and embittered behinds and run backwards down the laundry chute, but not before thanking our contributors of note, Scott Campbell, Nico Lane, and Jeff Pollard for tireless duties. Really, I'm serious. Thanks as well to the always a bridesmaid, never a bride, (laughs) the Sultan of Sine Waves, Milt Keynes for co-producing and technical assistance over there. (laughs) Uh, My pleasure as always. You know, I can't walk for shit in those heels anyway. (laughs) And uh, yes, but also thanks to you, dear friends, for pushing play. Um, You know, that image is going to stay with me all day. I'm sorry. Uh, On this edition of Fusebox, we do so appreciate that. And uh, by the way, we have noticed uh, a few orders of uh, items from the Fusebox store, and we are most grateful for that. If you have not uh, otherwise done so, please visit the uh, aforementioned storefront as we have a wondrous collection of Fusebox-themed merch uh, lurking in there, including but uh, not limited to the ubiquitous face masks, all with several amusing design elements and statements, uh, all crafted by our partner in audio crime, Jeff Pollard. And of course, t-shirts and coasters and hoodies and time machines and... No, wait, no, 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 that's for the other timeline. Well, just a whole lot of stuff. So you can find the store by clicking on the link in the show notes here, right down there, or by uh, visiting the Fusebox Facebook page at... The Fusebox Show, or the FuseboxShow.com site as well, and just click the ever-handy shopping tab uh, button there, and uh, be prepared for a truly awe-inspiring experience, we kid you not. Oh, please also consider subscribing to this uh, humble program if you haven't already done so. Wherever you may have uh, heard it, found it, tripped over it, uh, whatever, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or the very insulated but always friendly onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. We'd appreciate that gesture muchly. And uh, I have been your how-come-these-mushrooms-are-smiling-at-me host, (laughs) Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Thank you.